to your mother. It's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia. Bow and Sheila in the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins till Bo's old arch nemesis. Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill. It's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo and coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings. So I'm going to have the rest of my life with these kids. Wow. Get, we got to get that in a drop uh, immediately. Edit that one out. That didn't come out quite There's no editing. No, no editing yeah, on this that's podcast. That's the wonderful Birds with Friends. No editing. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Monday evening. Bo Wolf here, Sheila Kapadia there. And just back from another undisclosed trip to a location that uh, is another mystery to us, Mr. Zach Berman. Zach, how are you? I'm doing great. Excited for the podcast. Uh, Sheil, how are you? How was your weekend? As everybody wants to know. What's the one movie from Oscars night that I should watch? You have to see Parasite. Parasite? Yeah. Oh, you're jumping on that? Okay, you're going with the popular opinion. I'm not huh? jumping on. I, I, saw, I saw it twice. I saw it in. Uh, I saw it months ago in theaters. Give me a break. Twice? Who sees a, what? What thirty-something with a child sees the same movie? Well, twice? I see a movie that I really it's like. It's not animated. And then I want my wife to see it, so we go and see it together. Okay. Do you have, Do you have any other? What are the, What would numbers two and three be? Uh, well, you should see Uncut Gems, but that wasn't nominated. Of the movies that were nominated. I would say, uh, I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's probably too long for you. Uh, I think you would enjoy The Farewell, which uh, didn't get many nominations. Um, I'm writing all these down. I, I just I, found I it tweeted, interesting. I tweeted yesterday my six favorite movies of the year. You should, you, you can look at. Oh, those. you did? Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm not as active on Twitter in the off season. No, but okay. Neither am I. You can't, you can't just tell me. Huh? I have to go look at your Twitter. All right. No, I just, I I just like how I, I, I like how you don't have to see Midsommar. I don't think you're going to like it. <laughs> I like how Bo asks, what movie should I see? Oh, I'm sorry. Shio asks, uh, what movie should I see? And Bo answers the best picture. That's like talking <laughs> about the. It's, it's like uh, if, if, if you ask someone for some draft intel. This is ridiculous. And they tell you, and they tell you about Joe Burrow. This you know? is the first time hey, in history a, that a foreign language film has won best picture. Like, this is like. <laughs> this is not like I told, I'm telling you to go see 1917 or something like that or Green Book. This is a unique situation. Okay, well, uh, I look forward to seeing it. Okay. I think I, Before I, the, I think I can rent that one, right? I can just uh, fire it up I on believe, like a Prime uh, I, or uh, Amazon or I something. I believe you can. Yes. Okay. You know, I think you, can see, you, should, see, you should see Little Women too. I was going to say, okay. Shield, before the NCAA tournament, you really need to know who Duke is. Okay, is that's. Ridiculous. <laughs> Zach, you didn't even. Could you have named Parasite before yesterday? <laughs> um, yes, like I, I could actually. Okay. I, Zach I, sounds I, like a man who's come back refreshed, ready to fire. Let's get into yeah, it. This, I is like a, it. this is a man who is ready to start a, uh, his own <laughs> communist manifesto. Uh, all right. Uh, we've got news to talk about. We did this on the beat back and forth on the Slack thread, but we have not talked about it on the podcast yet. We've got Eagles coaching staff news and changes to the medical. Uh, group. So uh, why don't we start with the coaching staff, obviously. Uh, Zach, you were en route to uh, your your destination when these this news came down, or, or were, you, were you able to... Uh, I mean, was this all you were thinking about 
when you were gone? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I mean, you've got this, so, this beautiful location and you're just thinking, is it Skaggs? Skango? What am I going to call this guy? Uh, so, I, I mean, this is going to like, if this is just going to drag on, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say it, get out of the way now and we can proceed <laughs> with the podcast. Okay. Uh, I was in Cuba uh, for, uh, okay. Um, and it was a very educational experience. It, it was, uh, it was more of like um, a visiting to learn as, a, very and, and as opposed to, uh, you know, I wasn't like sitting on a beach or anything like that. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I, I had very limited access to news and information. And I am someone, as you guys know, who really is in the news and information. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I, so when I find out the, uh, kind of the sum total of all the changes and obviously we, we knew most of them. But uh, I, I was – it was definitely on my mind. So anyways, now let's, let's get back to the regular schedule. And five. so what was the reaction, boots on the ground, what was the reaction in Cuba to the Rich Gangarello hire? Well, we knew that before. No, but I mean so. from the Cuban people. Oh, that, that did not come up. <laughs> it didn't? That, that, that did not come what up. What about no. Marquand Manuel? Did they like that? Um, that also did not come up. Let's, let's, okay. let's right, discuss so the that. Full, the full total of – Coaching staff changes. Rich Gangarello, as we talked about, the former Broncos offensive coordinator, fired after one year with Vic Fangio, named a senior offensive assistant. Press Taylor, the former quarterback's coach, promoted to passing game coordinator slash quarterback's coach. Gets that Cordell Stewart uh, slash addition. As does Matt Burke, named the run game coordinator slash defensive line coach. The first, I believe, like defensive run game coordinator in the league and. Uh, as if the Eagles needed help with the run game on defense. Uh, Marquand Manuel, named the defensive backs coach. Aaron Moorhead comes from Vanderbilt to be the fifth receivers coach in five years under Doug Peterson. Andrew Briner, who we discussed, as is the pass game analyst. He was the uh, quarterbacks coach slash passing games coordinator for Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State last year. And then uh, a couple of internal promotions for TJ Paganetti, to assistant run game coordinator slash assistant running backs coach and Dino Vasso to assistant coordinator slash defense. Uh, of those, you know, we talked about this a little bit on the site, but uh, Shia, what do you think is the most impactful of those of, of those hires? Well, I would like to go to Zach. I believe you asked Zach a question and then you redirected him and then you took over. Well, that's so, a very classic <laughs> Bo Wolf move. So, so, Zach, why don't you go ahead and say what you were going to say before and then I can chime in after that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, uh, the, the changes itself, what jumps out to me, obviously there's no offensive coordinator. I, I think this structure works. Uh, the way they've, they've, they've done it in the past was that – the quarterback coach, um, pay, so the, the press Taylor role would do, I believe, third downs. The um, the uh, the wide receiver coach would do red zone, or it, it, it might be the inverse. I need to look up my my notes there. And kind of they There's funnel it up. To I me. recommend you reading. <laughs> Yes, the offensive coordinator. And so I believe Scangarello or Scango, whatever name Bo uh, <laughs> will, will be in, in, in that role of kind of funneling it up, will 
be giving that information uh, to Doug. I, I, I don't think the lack of an offensive coordinator is, is that big a deal because you're not having the play calling uh, duties. This is the model that the Rams use. This is the model that the 49ers use. Frankly, this is the model the Eagles should have gone to back in 2018. Uh, for all intents and purposes, I think they had something comparable to this. Uh, so that kind of jumped out to me on the offensive side. There's a diversity of voices, like we said. Some, and I, I really like Shields' thoughts on the coaching staff that you can read on The Athletic. Uh, on the defensive side, what jumps out to me is the kind of the increased role Matt Burke has. More than a position coach, he's the run game coordinator uh, for the defensive side of the ball, oh, ball, and uh, he really is the number two for Jim Schwartz. I think that's pretty clear. Does that mean that we can uh, can just assume that Jim Schwartz is the pass game coordinator and pin any uh, pass deficiencies on him? Well, Jim Schwartz is the head coach of the defense, as mm-hmm. Doug Peterson said uh, back in 2016. I wonder if, if Doug Peterson in 2020 would say the same thing. Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, maybe he's the pass rush coordinator. I, I oh, don't there know. you go. But, uh, you know, the more I would, you, I'll get to your question now, which of these will be the most impactful? Uh, I, don't, I really don't know how to answer that, so I will just take it in my own direction. That's like, <laughs> that, that's like the trick when someone asks you a question you don't want to answer, you know, whether it's radio or something. You just uh, you just talk about what you want to talk okay, about. Okay, so of these <laughs> hires, Sheil, who is the most <laughs> handsome, you would say? <laughs> Well, I haven't gotten good uh, photos of all of them, so I can't answer that one either. But uh, Rich Scangarello is interesting to me because the more digging I did, the more sort of skeptical, I guess I would say, I became of this. I guy. agree with this. You know, <laughs> I was uh, where I was on board right away, and 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 doing more digging, I feel the same way. Go ahead. Yeah, I, and this is in the in the piece uh, Zach referenced that I wrote for the Athletic. I mean, it sounds like a big reason why the Broncos let him go was because they felt he wasn't aggressive enough. And anyone who has listened to this podcast in the last year knows how annoyed I got by the Eagles talking about letting the offense work for Carson Wentz and not doing too much and taking the check down and all those different things. I just didn't feel like that was the problem. And I would have been much more comfortable uh, or I guess satisfied with the hire if it were a guy who got like fired for being too aggressive. You know, this guy just wanted to throw it downfield all game long, you know, someone from like the Bruce Arians tree or something. But I mean, this is out there. This is it. You don't have to read between the lines. Vic Fangio has said this. I think John Elway has alluded to it. Um, you know, if you go to uh, the Broncos section of the athletic, you can read some stories about it in the Denver post, all those different things where, you, you know, Scangarello just didn't keep his foot on the gas. It seemed like at times last year, which frustrated them. He didn't throw down field a lot. I mean, Vic Fangio has said specifically, you know, that, Hey, I'm a defensive coach. People think I want a conservative offense. That's not the case. I want to take shots downfield on offense. We didn't do that enough. Uh, last year, all these different types of things. And so if this is going to be Doug Peterson's right hand man and the guy funneling all these ideas and information to him and helping with game planning, you know, that makes me a little bit nervous because I can just picture Frank Reich up there at the podium. I remember so many times he would be like, you know, the last thing I said to Doug was let's stay aggressive. Like, don't you remember him saying that? I don't Mm. even know if it was a specific game. I can just hear his voice and see his face saying that time after time. And, you know, I don't want to read too much into it. That was one year in Denver. 
But man, I really hope we're not six games into the season saying this this offense is too conservative and what happened to aggressive Doug and why aren't they getting the ball downfield playing to Wentz's strengths and all those different types of things. There was Although a- to your point, though, uh, I, I believe Frank Reich said his biggest takeaway from working with Doug Peterson was the aggressive play call. Now, I don't know if that was necessarily what Frank was thinking back when he got the job in 2016. Um, so Scangarello, his, he's not calling the plays here. Uh, and and perhaps he has the same takeaway on his tenure that as as you know Vic Fangio and 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 these other people do that he could have been more aggressive and that's something that that, that he could pick up while in Philadelphia. That's true. There was a that's pl- fair. There was a there was a play during the Broncos season at like the end of a half or something like that where uh, there was like not a lot of time left and they threw a deep ball and it came out after the game that it was Fangio's idea to throw a deep. Scangarello wanted to take a knee. Um, but I've also seen, and I don't remember where I saw this, so I apologize for not crediting it, but the knock is that uh, Scangarello is a good play designer and not a good play caller, which, to be fair, like that sounds like a good addition to the Doug Peterson uh, you know, weekly game plan process. And I, and I think Zach is probably right. Like, I don't think that Scangarello is going to come in and uh, like – wield so much influence that he 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 beats the aggressiveness out of Doug Peterson. I think it's much more likely to be the inverse, but uh it is it is interesting. It's not like they went out and got this this offensive maven. I think they got this guy who brings to them the like Shanahan tenets of the offense which they wanted to add to the offense in in some way. I mean, you look at what the Broncos did, they were uh I was looking they had, you know, they had two running backs on the field the third most in the league after the Niners and and Ravens. Like I think there's a chance the Eagles are going to have a fullback in this offense at some point uh, this year, which is like, okay. Uh, But I think, I think that's what they're bringing with him. I mean, I think the fact that he's, he, I think it's a, a, uh, a conscious decision that they didn't name him offensive coordinator because they're not giving him that much power. I think, I I think as as Zach has said, this is, you know, this is Doug's offense. He's still calling plays. And, And I don't think that, not having a nominal, you know, ceremonial offensive coordinator uh, is a big deal at all. So uh, I think he is here more to like bring bring ideas and help implement some offseason stuff into the playbook. Then I'm like worried that he's going to be wielding this this game day influence on Doug. It, do, it does feel like at some point during the process, I don't know if obsession is the right word, but it feels like they did really want to get someone from the Shanahan tree, you know, whether it was waiting for the Super Bowl to end and interviewing those coaches. I mean, you know, Scangarello went from uh, college to Atlanta to be the quality control coach for Kyle Shanahan, and then he joined him in San Francisco, two years as the quarterback's coach. You know, it's not like this is somebody who's been with him for uh, a, a decade and, you know, was his right hand man. Now, I will say, I did, I was, what the quarterback said, Joe Flacco aside, I don't think Joe Flacco is a big fan of his, but uh, if you read what Jimmy Garoppolo said, if you read what uh, Drew Locke said this past year, and again, those are mostly going to be rosy quotes, you know, in that situation, but um, you kind of have to read between the lines. It seemed like they did kind of, like his demeanor and they got along with him they thought he was a good teacher uh all those 
different types of things. And uh, yeah, it, it is going to be fascinating just to talk about the scheme, how this all fits together. You know, you have Doug Peterson with the West Coast offense background. You obviously have college and spread elements and RPOs and all that with uh, various people on the staff, whether it's Press Taylor or uh, Jeff Stoutland or, you know, even Deuce had that background with his years with Chip. And so you've got that element of it. And now you've got this this Shanahan uh, element of it, which is like you said, you know, it could mean playing with a fullback. It means under center play action. It means a lot of bootlegs getting Wentz out of the pocket, which is, I think is a very good thing, which we saw in the second half of last season. So, you know, the best case scenario, I think, is uh, January comes around and we say, wow, they really, they they took the best of all these different sort of ideas and elements and schemed it together. And Carson Wentz had an MVP caliber year. That's kind of one end of the spectrum. And the other end is we say, this just looks like sort of a mishmash of different ideas and too many cooks in the kitchen and they're not really good at any one thing and it's back to the drawing board. So like I, both those possibilities are in play. I have a little tidbit here that neither one of you guys is, is going to like um, or and I, I mean like in, in terms of the direction for the Eagles. Uh, according to Dave Spadaro on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, one of the, the, the things they're having Andrew Briner do is – implement his background with two tight end usage. Okay. That is something that, oh. that they like in his, in his background. And, um, and they, and they want to use that to enhance the passing game. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, uh, well hey, they're going to have him out there. I but, mean, you know. Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It sounds like a good idea to me, given that they had no ideas on what to do with it uh, last year. So let me quick, but quickly. But I, 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 I do know both you guys are, are not in favor of, of running more well, tight end personnel. Well, so. yeah, but that's not the problem. That's not the problem. It's, uh-huh. I think that's right. If they're going to, if they're going to have him out there 40% of the time, you know, you might as well have some ideas. Uh, let me just well quickly said. run you down the Scangarello, uh, the Broncos offensive ranks last year. Uh, 26th in DVOA, 27th passing DVOA, 19th running DVOA, and obviously this is a this was a uh, an offense that did not have a ton of talent. But uh, 24th in uh, sack rate allowed, 30th in third down, 28th in red zone defense. So I think they were the only team in the league that offense, was a uh, third down offense. Yes, sorry, and red zone offense. They were only, the only team in the league that was bottom five. In yards per play, points, third down, and red zone. Uh, wow! So <laughs> really, the yeah. only team—that's the murderers <laughs> row. Uh, they were twenty-third in explosive plays, according to uh, Sharp Football. Nineteenth in explosive pass plays, uh, yards per play action, uh, ninth, and they didn't run play action all that much. Uh, Twenty twenty-fifth uh, highest play action rate in the league and then finally their uh, run pass balance they were 24th uh, in terms of most pass heavy so they were they were more more run heavy than most teams which they were yeah. trailing a lot so yeah i mean there are there are certainly examples of a uh, coordinator running an uh, offense or a defense with terrible ranks and then you know moving on and having success i mean just the point is a lot of it obviously is going to be talent based uh, the quarterback was not good. The offensive line was not good. Cortland Sutton was very good for, uh, you know, but I think there were times where they, they were wondering why aren't we throwing him the football more? I know that came up, uh, during one game. So, uh, it will be, it will be interesting to see. What do you guys make of the wide receiver hire 
the fact that they that they went with someone without NFL coaching experience. I'm, I, I want you to answer that question because from my understanding, you are the only one who was worried about that. Well, I, I thought they were going to go in the direction. Wait, I was the only one who was worried about that? Yes, you kept saying they, they, they have to hire somebody with NFL coaching experience. Yeah, I, I did think that was something that they should do, and I thought that was something they were going to do, and it's obviously something they didn't do. Uh, so uh, now Aaron Moorhead has NFL playing experience, mm, but so I, I, just thought, I just thought when you have four wide receiver coaches and you've – you fired three of them and you've promoted one of them and three of them had never coached the position at the NFL level, the three that you fired and the one that you promoted had fairly extensive experience coaching the position at the NFL level. I thought perhaps, and, and knowing you're probably going to have these young wide receivers next year, I thought that perhaps that was a direction they could go was someone who, has done it before and has has done it well, and there are guys out there as Bo has documented, uh, but they clearly went in a different direction here. So we'll see how it goes. Well, the flip side to that is the guys who are available who have previous experience are mostly available for a reason, and there are fewer of them than there are guys available in the college ranks. And I think you could you could certainly talk yourself into thinking that the talent there is more uh, more ripe than. You know, just hiring a, a guy who got fired for like the f- fifth time. True, al- although the position coaches that are available are often available based on on coaching staff churn. So if a head coach is yeah. fired, for instance, and the whole staff is let go, it doesn't necessarily mean the wide receivers coach did a poor job. Um, so I don't think know, there was anybody out there who they like who they really missed out on. Time will tell. No offense to, I, I, me, to sports Indian Sanjay Lal, who they didn't hire actively twice already. Well, there's some would say there's only room for one of us in this city. So I know that's right. Uh, no, I, I do think you know, I don't have a I don't, I don't know. I don't have a problem with uh, NFL experience versus non NFL experience. But I think sort of the bigger picture of, you know, questioning or, you know, not just say, wow, you know, wow, they got this great staff and it's going to work out. I think it's fine, given the history, especially at that position, to look at it uh, with some uh, skepticism for sure. And also, you know, I'm sure in a couple of weeks at the combine, they'll spin this as, hey, this was our plan all along. And man, we mailed it just as we wanted. You know, this is exactly what we wanted to do. I don't think that was the case. I think they had to do some adjustments based on people who said they wanted the jobs and didn't want the jobs and uh, that type of thing. So um, that's something to just kind of keep in mind here. That doesn't mean it's not going to work out, but um, I I think they will paint a rosier picture. Uh, Actually, I saw this morning, I think it was, uh, I want to say Albert Breer. I think it was a sports illustrator. Did you guys see that? That uh, I think he had Brian Hartline. Yeah, he had reported that uh, Brian Hartline was offered the wide receiver's job mm. and tur- turned it down. Highly thought of. Is he? I am, I am not one yeah. to uh, gas up a person from that university, but uh, he is, he's been getting a lot, of, uh, a lot of love for his work with those receivers. Oh, really? From, yeah. from, like, like, from yes. who? Like throughout the draft process the last couple oh. of years. Like these guys, these guys are uh, well prepared for the NFL, like, a, oh. you know, like a Terry McLaurin, for instance. Oh, okay. Interesting. And uh, and as Albert Breer said, the Colts went hard after him too a few years ago. I, I believe when 
when Frank Reich was putting together that staff and uh, did not get him then. He's kind of at his alma mater. He's 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 done a good job. Oh, but the recruiting, I mean, really, do you want to be doing that? Yeah, come Jeez. on. <laughs> okay. I'm with you. What else? All right. Any other big picture thoughts on this staff? Uh, uh, we we both talked about this briefly uh, on Line Shield, but uh, the the in-house guys on the lower level who got promoted, Dino Vasso and TJ Paganetti. Uh, Dino Vasso uh, gassed up by a few guys during that Super Bowl run for his work behind the scenes in that piece you did. And then TJ Paganetti, who has worked with uh, Jeff Stoutland before and then moved to the running backs group. So he's it makes sense that he would be uh, in the run game there. I've, I've heard good things about him as well. well there you go. Good news. Uh, the the Barkin manual one is uh, I think we talked. Did we talk about him last time? I think we did. Right. Well, he he had been uh, announced earlier. So we talked about him maybe a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I don't think can... I don't I don't have much more to add there. OK. <laughs> Zach, any other thoughts on the coaching staff before we get to the medical group? No, one other tidbit is uh, Spencer Phillips, who's been working with the quarterbacks uh, the past two years and has been on the staff all four years, was was Doug Peterson's uh, top – he was the assistant to the head coach in his first two years in Philadelphia. Uh, he has since left. Um, he is now the head football coach at Lake Ridge High School in Oregon. He's from Oregon. Um, he had – He's, he, I think he wants to start a family out there. So, uh, so he is no longer uh, part of the staff. Got there it. you go. Also, one last thing. You mentioned Matt Burke is the run game coordinator on defense. Uh, I did think that was unusual, but uh, I don't know if he's a listener, so I'm not going to call him a defop. But on Twitter, Igglesnut, who you know scours sure. every staff in the NFL, pointed out that there were at least like a handful of teams that actually have a run game coordinator on defense. All right. Uh, the football operations department brings in a couple old faces. Darren Sproles, Brent Selleck, and Connor Barwin. Selleck and Sproles as personnel consultants and Connor Barwin as special assistant to the general manager. Barwin was at both the Shrine Game and the Senior Bowl. Selleck was at the Senior Bowl. Uh, a bit of an odd announcement on Jeremiah Washburn, who is the, the son of Jim Washburn and has been uh, working with the team for the past couple of years. He has been promoted to director of player personnel slash senior defensive assistant. Director of player personnel is basically the role Andy Weidel had before with Joe Douglas. And he's also going to be helping out the coaching staff, which seems like a lot to put on one guy's plate. And then uh, the sports medicine group, Tom Hunkley, I think is how you pronounce it. Hunkley direct is the new director of sports medicine. And, you know, I think one way you could, described the three men on this podcast as they are very hunkly. And then finally, Ted Rath is the new director of sports performance. You may recognize that name because he was the uh, the get-back coach for Sean McVay, and he also had uh, a, a sexual battery charge that he was acquitted of. And the Eagles made a point of saying that they were uh, very much aware of that and they did their due diligence. Everybody spoke highly of him. He was acquitted, and they felt comfortable moving forward with him. Uh, so I, I thought, uh, let's let's start from the top. I'm glad you you pointed out the Jeremiah Washburn thing because because that's, that's a, a weird thing to me. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, he, to become essentially Andy Wydell's number two, which uh, which I had thought that was Ian Cunningham, and uh, Ian Cunningham is the assistant director of player personnel. And now you have 
Jeremiah Washburn as director of player personnel. Now, Jeremiah Washburn was on the Ravens um, staff, I, I believe, when Andy Wydell was there in, in, in terms of uh, – I, I keep saying Wydell. Is it, is it Wydell or Wydell? I believe it's, I think it's Wydell. Wydell. Yeah, Wydell. I'm sorry about that. Um, but uh, that's a big role for Jeremiah Washburn. Um, that, that was my – big takeaway was uh that's a fairly notable promotion to be the, yes. the number two to Weidel. and he has yeah. been he has had an interesting background he, he he was a former offensive line coach with the dolphins and then uh has spent time in in the front office as well so and i know that as of last you know last last season last off season he was working as what a what was his title projects something like that right yeah, projects advanced projects coordinator. Uh, I know at that time he wasn't working in Philadelphia; uh, he was working remotely in that role. Uh, so, I agree. It is a it is a very interesting sort of big jump from somebody who was not in the building is now your director of player personnel and senior defensive assistant. So, we shall I have see. heard good, I have heard good things from inside the organization, but. Um... Yeah, it's an odd. That's an odd dual role to have. Uh, okay, what about the uh, medical guys, Zach? I I, I wish have you I done your due diligence on Hunkley. <laughs> no, I I, I wish, no, he has a uh, background with the Eagles, so he was here, I believe, uh, when Burkholder was here. Is that correct? Um, I, I frankly don't know enough about the medical side to 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 know the influence he'll have. I do think they needed to do something there. It's been a problem. Um, you know, you can look at the Vikings injury rates, but I don't know if, if that's necessarily the, uh, the, the way to evaluate them. I, I think it's, it's probably more qualitative than anything else. So we'll talk to players. We'll find more out there. Um, the Vikings, I believe their head trainer there is Andy Sugarman, who uh, is a former Eagles assistant there so we should go on a search uh, so, for him okay so Searching uh, for yes, Sugarman. yeah no no I'm, I'm aware of the reference um <laughs> so <laughs> so anyway so uh clearly there's um there's some familiarity uh with at, at, at least uh, at, on some level people in the building so i don't know if that factored into it but there is that background there yeah, it's. T- I mean, I like looking at, you know, adjusted games lost and all that from football outsiders. But this is not the type of thing where you can just look at that and say this staff is good and this staff is not good. There's so much randomness and luck and all those different things involved that we just sort of have to, like, like Zach said, uh, you know, talk to the people when we get a chance, see the results and figure it out. Uh, again, I don't think this is an area where they've earned the benefit of the doubt in any way so let's see uh let's see what the conversation is like six months or a year from now well as long as he's doing it hunkily then i feel like the eagles will be all right there you go uh what can i i know it's impossible to say like what these guys are going to be doing but what do you what, how do you feel about bringing in three former players and and employing them in the front office yeah so my guess is is that connor barwin will have the biggest role you know more I kind think of there's the, no doubt about that yeah, the the full time role, if you will. Um, Sproles is, is is Sproles may be based out of San Diego, my guess. And then, well, then what's the I, point? <laughs> I, I I I don't know if that's the case. I'm assuming that's the case. I know Brent has a lot of real estate interest 
Uh, Brent mm, Selleck has a lot of real estate somewhere. interest here. You can. Um, so, so, is and, he, and, so is he still doing the real – like what's his full-time job? Is this not a full-time job or do we not know yet? You got to give him a buzz. You got to get the scoop on this. <laughs> we'll do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do, we'll do. <laughs> but, but no, but in, in those roles, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's like, uh, you see this in baseball a lot where you just kind of have, have voices, so to speak, the, the, to consult, to add insight. My guess is the Sproles and, and, uh, and Selleck roles kind of fit in that category i think barwin is is going to be very involved during the off season in the personnel side of the building during the season in the kind of the, the player development and engagement side of the building uh so i of the three i would pay most attention to barwin i think that uh a wise man once told me don't hire somebody who you're not comfortable firing so you know, if if like if Brent Selleck and Darren Sproles are like uh, lacking on the job, what's going to happen? But I, think, I mean, it, but it almost sounds like their role is such minimal that you yeah. know what? Well, All right, we we, right. we don't have to fire you. They'll they'll quit eventually. Yeah, I think that that's we're that's not listening to them. Probably or, right. <laughs> I, yeah, I, my guess is is if you have consultant in your title, then you know you're you're not sitting in every single meeting. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Okay, so maybe it's more a like. Uh, I think I, mean, I think I'm the Selleck and Sproles ones but... are a little bit more ceremonial. Although Selleck did go to the yeah. Senior Bowl, so I mean he was doing mm-hmm. something down there. But well, I know that's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. It just, just felt like the right thing to say. <laughs> well, it usually does. Uh, Sheila, you're working on your top 100 free agents. I, we, we you know, we can oh, talk. Oh boy, am I? Yeah, let's wrap this up. We can talk about. We can talk about that. Uh, on the, the next podcast, but I want to know like what process are you, how, how much are you haranguing over, over ordering? I don't know. Well, that's the part I'm doing after we wrap up here. Okay. You've got, Oh, you've got all the, uh, well, I've settled on the hundred people. Okay. And, uh, I've proofread and edited my write-ups. Oh, you got, you've I, done your write-ups on everybody. I've got my write-ups on everybody. And oh. now I have to, uh, and now I've got to order them. Give which, us, give us one, one decision between two guys you're on the fence on who should who should go higher i'm I'm not even there yet i haven't even uh done that i can give you two uh, i mean i don't know do we i don't know if we want to save this for another podcast but you know as i'm doing this of course the eagles angle sticks out to me and uh just mention two names and uh, i think the one is interesting because bo you had him i didn't know you had i didn't read your piece until this morning uh, and I didn't know, and you saved me because there were a couple guys in there that I hadn't thought of that I, you know, had to look to add to the list. But there was a name in there that you sort of identified as a possible Eagles target. Who, when I was doing his write up, I said he really looks like an Eagles target to me. Mm. You know who that is? Is it is it my guy Shaq Lawson? It is not. Uh, uh, then I'm going to guess it's Trey Waynes. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's it is. I was, yeah. You know, I had to do a uh, WIP hit yesterday with uh, Glenn Macnow and Ray Dittinger, and they kind of put me on the spot with the last question and said, who is one free agent who Eagles fans should keep their eye on? And so I had to think quickly. I had been working on this list, and uh, he seems like a guy I could see Jim Schwartz really liking. In my chat, somebody asked me if I water gun to my head to name one guy the Eagles are going to sign, and I said Trey Waynes as well. 
Wow. Okay. So uh, we're all kind of on on board with this. I mean, he's not going to cost you a a Byron Jones type deal, um, but he is a physical corner, a good tackler. His coverage skills aren't great. I mean, he sounds he's like a fit right in with uh, with what they have. So uh, I think that's a guy to keep an eye on for the Eagles. I agree. I think he's a good player. The and th- the one uh, downside on the. Uh, on the sport radar numbers on Trey Wayne's, he gave up a he gave up uh, ten big plays, and so that was like the third highest rate uh, of of big plays that he get surrendered. I will say, you know, I know those, I know targets. You have to take them with a mountain of salt. I understand that, it, especially they play so much zone. You know, I was yeah. watching some clips of him, and they play so much zone that that could really be misinterpreted but I, I don't know there's no one really yelling that this is a shutdown corner you know i was right. reading up on our vikings uh, writers who do a great job and they were basically saying you know the solid number two corner um so uh, i don't know he could be a solid number two corner is looking for uh number one corner money i think that's what my write-up about him uh mm-hmm. says but that was on the defensive side of the ball uh and then on the offensive side of the ball i got a guy i'm a little smitten with oh you know, you want to try and guess this one? Are you a are you a Brashad Perriman guy? Oh, nailed it! Yeah, I know my seal. Oh man, this I, now listen. It's a, he's not a home run it's by a, any means. I am I am I am very worried about buying from a Bruce Arians offense. He has injury issues, but I'll tell you this: I watched him last year and his, how he played at the end of the season, like with the Browns, and I liked what I saw then. Also, okay. I mean. I was I watched Robbie Anderson and then I watched Brashad Perriman. I like Perriman's film better than Robbie Anderson. Well, you know, you know uh, the the other sport radar thing on Brashad Perriman. What's that? Like second fastest guy in the league, right. average top speed. Yes, you can see his speed. He can stack defensive backs. But what I really liked is he was making like contested catches. He had good body control. I mean, if you look at the last five weeks of the season when he got to play. Uh, and I know you sh- you're not supposed to cut up a season like that. You're supposed to take the big body of work. But Mike Evans got injured, right. and he he had five games where he got to play more. He had the third most receiving yards in the NFL. He had over 500 receiving yards in this five week span, and I mean he was making great catches uh, left and right. So uh, he has an injury history. He's risky. That's not a guy you want to pay a lot of money to. But if you're like asking me uh, cheaper Brashad Perriman as opposed to a Robbie Anderson for, I don't know. I don't know that he's going to be that much cheaper. Yeah, I I don't know. He hasn't played a lot, though. I know. So I don't know. I I think he's going to get paid. Brashad Uh, Perriman? I think he is, too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you've done the work. There's no receivers out there. Well, that's true. (laughs) <laughs> but that could also change. I mean, if 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 Sammy Watkins hits the market, then it changes a lot. Uh, I don't think Diggs. Sammy Watkins is moving the needle that much. But maybe you guys disagree. I do. Although a little pyramid nugget. Um, this is this is Andy Weidel, not Weidel. Andy Weidel's first uh, off season, kind of as as the number two under Howie and. With the uh, free agency side of it, that that's a big part of it. Um, Andy was in Baltimore when they drafted Perriman in the first oh, round. Oh, that's right. Nice was the, yeah, was the the uh, the Northeast Scout, I believe. So that, or, or, or I'm sorry, the, not the Southeast? Northeast Scout. The East, 
no, the East Regional Scout. Okay. So he, he he had the whole East, and I imagine I I need to imagine UCF fit um, in his area. So uh, uh, that's that's someone who uh, I'm sure he has a, a a big draft binder on on Prashad Perryman. That's I don't know if he can take that binder with him. Well, I think you probably uh, lose. I think you got to leave that behind. Yeah, that could go. That could go one of two ways, right? It could be, hey, I love you know this. Well, yeah, he was a bust in Baltimore, right? It could be this guy got in our building, and you know we learned these things. I mean, he did have injuries, so it wasn't it wasn't just that. But I guess it could um, go the other way. But that is an interesting exercise. That might make for a good post. Is to look at. Uh, you know, you you know how I love giving uh, everybody work, but uh, because I noticed that with you know a Mark on Mark and Manuel, you know, could that make them interested in say a uh, linebacker like Devondre Campbell from the Ooh, Falcons? I liked him out of Minnesota. That's right. You know, he he was he was his defensive coordinator there for a couple of years. Should presumably uh, give you in, all the intel you want. Uh, that's a guy who I kind of looked at and said, hey, he could make sense for the Eagles as a, uh, as like a will linebacker, will starting linebacker, uh, for them kind of a tear down from the top guy. So th- those were some of the guys who got my attention from an e- Eagles perspective. All right. Are you guys ready to well, play? Well, oh, go ahead. Oh, quick question though. Why do you think a, a 26 turning 27 year old Sammy Watkins who got big money two years ago, who is really productive in the postseason? Um, who beside who other than injuries has has been really productive in his career. Well, I don't agree with that part. Uh, I don't agree that he's been really productive other than injuries. Uh, I, I mean, I he mean, had a great he had a great postseason. I don't take that away. I just, I mean, he would he'll probably get paid, but I don't I don't think he's like, you know, he's he's competing to be like one of the highest paid receivers in the league. He's been a disappointment everywhere he's gone. No, but when you look at this free agency class, yeah, after Amari Cooper, after Amari Cooper, um, and I and AJ Green, who I I imagine is going to stay in Cincinnati, but who knows? Um, after those two, I got to think if 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 Watkins were released, he would kind of slot in at at the uh, at the number three spot among wide receivers. Maybe. I have a quick uh, question for Shield too in terms of wide receivers. Um, did Demarcus Robinson make your top one hundred? Oh, had to. Uh, well, he had to, but he was very low. Yeah. I, yeah. I had him. I have him right now. And again, this is not finalized at 93. Uh, this would be a guy who it would. And I know there's isn't there some uh, is there some kind of link between the Eagles and him? I forget. I, I forget. I believe yeah, Jeff he, McClain he was wrote a draft a visit. No, but he, he visited them during the draft. He was one of their 30 visits. That's right. Back in. Uh, yeah. Uh, four years ago. And then he's a guy who who, who Jeff McClain said. Uh, to watch out for in free agency and the three guys, I, I the three free agents to be who were visits in that class are uh, him, Nick Kwiatkowski, and Yannick Ngakwe. Okay, uh, Robinson would make me very nervous to sign him to a. I agree. Legit starting wide receiver deal. I mean, I you know I was again I'm not watching every snap of these guys. I was actually thinking of maybe just doing a wide receiver post where I sit down and watch like four games every snap to get a real field but i mean 32 catches for 449 yards well and, that and, they, and and like 65 percent of that production came in the games without tyreek hill and he i mean he played 70 percent of their offensive snaps 
you know, so it's like, all right, well, yeah, we're going to take away Patrick Mahomes. We're going to take away Andy Reid. And now you're going to your numbers are going to like skyrocket. Uh, so I don't know. It all depends on the price. Like if it's if it's not a big price and you're just bringing him in as sort of another guy, then fine. But uh, that is not like an under the radar guy who I would say go out and uh, target him. I do like the the Kwiatkowski guy you mentioned did i pronounce okay. that right yeah Bo? close enough uh, uh quiet koski seems like a, an interesting guy you know I, I remember watching him during the season he did some good things he's a three down linebacker again who wouldn't be as expensive as some of the other guys and gakwe i love i mean i don't know what the mm. jaguars are doing i don't know if there's like a if they're just incompetent that's really possible or whether there are character things but I mean, this guy's had unbelievable production and watching his film, like I think he's, I would, I might have him over Clowney. I mean, he has. Oh, I definitely would have him over Clowney. I mean, yeah, I him and, who I, am I to, to tell you what to do? But I think I have Chris Jones and him over uh, Clowney. But in terms of edge rushers, like uh, that guy's a beast and he's, he's beast. young and he's been productive, uh, you know, so uh, I like him. Uh, I definitely like him a lot. And I will leave you with this last uh, free. I guess I'm going through my all my <laughs> notes here. Yeah, you can save him, but go ahead. Uh, well, this last one. Uh, I think Tony Pauline had mentioned the Eagles as maybe a Logan Ryan suitor. Okay. That right? Mm-hmm. I, had seen, okay. I had seen that elsewhere too, I thought, but maybe it was Tony. And at first I thought this doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, he's a slot corner. Right. I think he's 29. I was watching Logan Ryan, and he looks to me like a guy who, I don't know if it's going to be now, but I wonder, and this is not my area of expertise, but I wonder if he could transition to safety. Interesting. Uh, and so we know Jim Schwartz likes these, likes these hybrid defensive backs, and like there's examples of film on film of Ryan doing a bunch of different stuff, whether it's blitzing, uh, playing deep as a safety. I mean, he was primarily a slot corner, but if you were looking for that type of guy, uh, I could see that interesting Jim Schwartz. Yeah, but you're not going to pay a guy cornerback no. market to move him to safety. Well, like, he's going to as a guessing think, game at 29 gonna, years old. You're going to pay him as a slot corner. So. Yeah, maybe you maybe that maybe that then paves the way to your Avante Maddox idea. Maybe he's a local guy as well. Uh, okay, I have a game. All right, gentlemen, the name of the game. This is a new game on Birds with Friends. Is plover under? Okay, plover under, like over under, except plover is spelled like over, except it's pronounced. Uh, Plover. So there you go. Uh, this is the game. I have 10 offensive categories and where the Eagles ranked this season. You guys are going to tell me based on just the changes to the staff and the off seasons ahead, whether you think the Eagles are going to do better or worse in these categories next season. And there's a, a bit of a twist. You're also going to be guessing where they ranked in 2018 and 2017, whether those were higher or lower. And the points you get from that will determine how many points you are allowed to wager on the future bet. So, for instance, oh. for instance, let's say it's, uh, you know, kickoff return yardage. I say the Eagles ranked 15th. You guess uh, where they ranked in 2018. If you get it right, that's an extra point. That's two points. If you go to 17, you get three points. And then that's how many points you'll get to wager on the 2020 outcome. And you cannot lose any points in this game. You can only gain points. I shield that you follow that. 
It's hilarious to me that he th- that he would think I would be paying attention to whatever he just said. So, just tell me what this really sounds like a game that would have been good for like May or June, maybe once they added some players. And uh, nope. you know, really do it. I want you to do it without knowing. I want I you mean, to do it based you know, on scans. We're only forty nine minutes in, so I guess we do need to extend this and talk about something else. DVOA. <laughs> really? The Eagles finished in offensive DVOA 14th this year. Do you think they were higher or lower than that in 2018? I mean, what constitutes <laughs> higher? Better or worse? Yeah, better or worse. Do you think they were better or worse? And we're just supposed to yell it out? No, you can both then, guess. You can both guess. It's not who gets it first. Then 14th? I would say they were better than 14th in 2018. I would say worse. That's correct. So, okay. Zach, your run is here correct. is over. Shield is correct. <laughs> okay. We had two different answers. Come on. Okay. So, Shield, do you think in 2017 they were better or worse than 16th, which is what they were last year? They were better in 2017? Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. Offense? Uh, yeah. What right. kind of game is this? The year they won the Super Bowl? Yeah, okay. So, you got that. Almost now, now that means you have three points to wager on the following question. While Zach only has one, will they be better or worse than 14th in DVOA in 2020? What a game this is. <laughs> uh, well, uh, okay, so I have to give a wager and then answer the question? No, no, no. You're, be- you're betting three points on this. That's oh, what I'm you betting. have. I don't have to say. Okay. Yeah. A- and what? In, uh, in January of 2021, you're going to revisit this to see who Correct. Won? Okay, I'll say better. Okay, you think they will be better than 14th? Okay, Zach, what do you think? Better than 14th. Okay, we got the first one out of the way. Congratulations to everybody involved. Boy, next we're, up, we're really bullish on Scangarello. Next Zach. up, we have past DVOA. The Eagles were 17th this year. Do you think they were better or worse last year? Uh,. In in 2017, I'm sorry, 2018. In 2018, were they better or worse were, than 17th? I think they were better um, than in in 17. No, I'm sorry, than in eight in 19. I think they were better in past the AVOA in 18 than they were in 19. Shield. Bet better. That's you are both correct. Then in 2017, yes, the Super Bowl year, were they better or worse than 11th? Better. Better. Okay, you both now get three points to wager on whether the Eagles will be better or question, worse. Question, uh, any thoughts to eliminating that last part? What? Uh, the better or worse the Super Bowl year. I mean, what are we doing there? Well, It's like the it's, extra point. Well, yeah, but it's not always going to be quite as easy right. as past DVOA. Okay, okay, all right, go ahead. So three points. <laughs> you, you let me run the game, all right? <laughs> uh, that's gotten us here, so I don't know if that's a good idea. 17th in past DVOA. Will they be better or worse next year? I'll say better. 17th? Uh, better. Okay. You, both, you guys are both very bullish on Skango. Okay. I mean, they just have to be 16th. <laughs> run, run DVOA. They were, the Eagles were 10th this year. Were they better or worse than that in 2018? Uh, definitely worse. That was a worse. bad run offense. Worse. That's correct. They were 27th. So that is a gimme then for were they better or worse than 27th in 2017? Uh, they were better in 2017 okay. than they were. You in both get three points to wager. Will they be better or worse 
than 10th in run DVOA in 2020? I think it'll be worse. I, too, will say worse. Okay. A lot of variance in the answer so far. Very exciting. Okay, we move on. This is a little bit more interesting. Third down defense. We'll be the judge of that. Third down offense, rather. I keep saying defense. Uh, The Eagles this year were fourth in third down offense. Were they better or worse than that in 2018? Uh, They were worse. That was their issue in 2018 was third downs. I'll say worse. That's correct. They were 12th. And then were they better or worse than 12th in 2017? Uh, Better. They were money in 2017 on third down. Well, that's true. They were eighth, but that's eighth oh. compared to fourth this year. Okay. Uh, okay. So will they be better or worse than fourth and third down offense next year? Uh, they will be worse. Yeah, I'm going to say worse. I mean, there's a, it's, just, it's just like a, a mathematics, like problem solving type game theory, whatever you want to yeah, call correct. it. Yeah, correct. That's you, fine. Yeah. Okay. We're working through this. <laughs> We got to we got to introduce my, new games. We're four years into the podcast. <laughs> listen, I'm just giving my reasoning for right. uh, saying worse. You don't have to get all mad about it. Red zone offense. The Eagles were third this year. It's it's very interesting that you know you fire an offensive coordinator. They they were one of two teams in the league who were top five in both third down and red zone offense. Anyway, they were third. Oh, I think the, I think Mike Grubb would agree with you on that one. Okay, well I've got his back on that front. Uh, were they better or worse than third in red zone offense in 2018? Worse. Worse. And then were they better or worse? That's correct. They were 17th. Were they better or worse than 17th in 2017? Better. That's correct. They were first. Will they be better or worse than third in red zone offense in 2020? Worse. Worse. You know, if you look at actually points per uh, red zone trip, they were first last year. Interesting. Uh, I actually, you know, my that's theory, a better that's a better uh, thing than just red zone offense. Well, I don't know if it is though, because then you're getting screwed if your kicker stinks. Yeah, I guess that's you true. know. So it might not be, but uh, my theory on red zone play is basically uh, that comes down to your quarterback, and so uh, you know, I, I think those things can fluctuate, but I almost feel like. Red zone and third down, as long as Carson Wentz is the quarterback, I think those are two areas where he's going to be uh, very good in. And it I think sort of third masks, down especially. And it masks, I think, some of the you know other issues you might have. That's true. And, I, I mean, you look at their third down success, they were also like, you know, they were facing shorter third downs than most teams in the league because they were getting these short completions on first and second down instead of just getting more first downs so want well, to get to third and manageable you know right. that's how i live my life is getting to third and manageable what's the, and what's then the real life equivalent okay. of getting to third and manageable you think what's that what do you think is the real life equivalent of trying to get to third and manageable hmm, i don't know that's a good question a 50 degree day yeah don't just steal a wire reference Wire was 40 degree day. Hit us up with hashtag uh, third and manageable and tell us what the real life equivalent of third and manageable is. Over under three and a half people use that hashtag. (laughs) I know know Rich Bobby, our loyal listener, is going to use it. So you already start at a plus one. Uh, Shout out to Rich Bobby. But uh, so you have to get two and a half. You have to get three more. (laughs) I think we'll get it. Well, now that I did this, your minions will probably chime in. Yeah, this is self-fulfilling. All right, All five right. more in this, in this, in this fantastic more? game. Oh, my God. Uh, explosive plays, explosive play percentage, according to Sharp Football. Eagles were 22nd this year. Were they better or worse in 2018? 
do you have any like uh how are we defining this i mean it's just it's go to go to the website yourself i did i did enough work on this stupid game (laughs) i'm not going to answer your questions on what the what the what the methodology better or worse uh i'm gonna say who was on the team that year 2018 uh there wasn't much downfield mike wallace but in 2019, they schemed up a lot of stuff to the tight ends and the running backs. Given that we don't know anything about the criteria for this, uh, I will say that they were worse in 2018. I think they were better in 2018. They were worse in 2018. They were 26th. Okay. Uh, and then Shield's going to get the layup. Were they better or worse than 26th in 2017? Better. That's correct. They were 7th. Then will they be better or worse than 22nd? In 2020. Well, for both of Deshaun you. Jackson, Brashad Perryman, and then, uh, Henry Rhodes. Henry, yeah, first round draft pick. So I will say better. But then okay. again, Scangarello's telling him to check it down <laughs> yeah. every play. So eh, no, I'll say better. I'll say better as well. Mm. It'll be tough for you to make up points this way, Zach. Uh, now we go to explosive pass <laughs> percentage, which I know that you want to know the methodology, but this is. Whatever the methodology is for the first one, it's the same thing except only pass plays. And they were 23rd this year. Were they better or worse in 2018? <laughs> oh, I, I thought the last one was only pass no, plays. Yeah, that's, that's that included I was running plays. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't differentiating it. Um, well, now you have to. The Look, the running game was really bad in, in 2018. So I would say that the, uh, the passing was better than 2017 than it was in 20, or in 2018 than it was in 2019. Yeah, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say better. I'll say better. Mm, well. Good reasoning, Zach. You're correct. They were 21st, okay. slightly better. Were they better or worse than 21st in 2017? Better. Better. They were, but not much. This was one of the big surprises. They were 20th in 2017. There you go. Uh, will they be better or worse than 23rd in 2020? You both say better. Here we go. Okay, better. moving on. Better. Yep. All right, three more. These ones I think are, I, I would hope at least, are a little bit more interesting because they're less yeah, about we'll be the results than like what, how they're getting there. Uh, play action percentage. This surprised hmm. me. The Eagles were fourth this year uh, in play action percentage. I don't even have the numbers for last year, so you're not getting extra points. Will they be better or worse? Will they be higher or lower in 2020? In the percentage of snaps they use play action? Correct. You're saying? Uh, well, I will say they, they will use it less often. F- fourth is a high ranking. That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> I would say I would use the same reasoning as Gio on this one. Okay. Very exciting. <laughs> Zach, at some point you're going to have to do something different because right now there's literally no way for you to win this game. Uh, You're assuming that in January 2021, I am going to be really focused on the results of of this game. I believe. Uh, No, uh, I actually, uh, I'm a competitive person, so uh, I I will be considering this my next two answers. (laughs) Uh, Pass run balance. This year, the Eagles were 20th. They were the 20th most pass heavy offense in the league. You given me neutral situations, or how you've this is also sharp football. You can ask Warren Sharp. Why did you, you should have had him on the podcast? My gosh. Okay, uh, you a lot of free right now. 
20th? We don't have enough time for the three of us to talk. You yeah. think we have time for a fourth? Listen, I think, you, I think they're going to pass take time. my spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I don't think the listeners will like that. There's a lot of Shield fans on this one. Tw- 20th as in... Uh, wait, tw- Zach, so- I think the two of us, every time uh, Shield writes an Eagles article, the two of us should be the first to comment just to beat everybody else and be like, great stuff, Shield. I really wish you yeah. would contribute on the Eagles beat yeah. more. Yeah, I'm just saying. You know, the reason I signed up for The Athletic was to get I, I Shield's Eagles stuff. I really could use a lot more Zach. of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> 20th as in... <laughs> Uh, give it uh, 20th most like the like number yes. one was the pass heaviest team is that what we're saying correct yeah i think they're gonna pass more this season coming up yeah in, 20, would, in, in 2020 they'll pass more i would say higher yes okay but what were they in 2018 oh 20 higher or higher or lower i would say they uh, were uh they were lower like they passed more yeah they passed more. correct they were seventh in 2018 did they pass yeah, they more or less? They did not want to run the ball in twenty in, in twenty eighteen. Well, and no, n- nobody want, watching wanted to watch them run the ball. Yeah, uh, well, did they run more or less in twenty seventeen than seven? They ran in 2018? more. They ran more. They ran more in twenty seventeen than twenty eighteen. That's correct. Okay, so you both have three points here. Will they <laughs> run? Will they will they pass more than twentieth in twenty twenty? Yes. I mean, I think yes, but I gotta go. You gotta, you gotta I, do it, I, yeah. Zach. I, I, I gotta go. No, this is a big swing for you. You gotta do it. So, yeah. So I am gonna be counting on, on like uh, Scangarello here because we've that fullback yeah. to, to be telling, uh, yeah, to be telling Doug like the key is is to run two back and just hand it off. So. <laughs> okay, last one. Uh, Twelve personnel usage. The Eagles were obviously the most in the league this year. So we're not even going to do higher or lower than first because that's silly. Uh, but they were at 54% this year. Will they be over or under 40.5% in 12 personnel next season? Well, do you have the number for 2018 or no? I do. It was 35% in 2018. Okay. 40 mm. I will say under. Uh, well, I'm already on on record here in uh, 20 predictions for 2020. Which, by the way, I, I already got one wrong because I, I uh, predicted the experienced wide receivers coach. So I, I need to wear it on the I need to wear it on the chin when I get something wrong, and I'll wear that on the chin. Mm, um, more but I am I'm going with over 50 uh, percent this year. All right, over fifty percent. Wow. All right. Well, Zach, if they if they hit over fifty percent, you will win the first edition of Plover Under, which I think we can all agree will not be returning. Mm-hmm. I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like this game. If it, if if it was better it executed and had yeah. more interesting information, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, wow. What a run. Well, I, like the game, I, I like the games where you give us the notice ahead of time and we can do research for it. Yeah, but this it was the whole point of this one was you can't do research. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Now, now, all or nothing, you, you will notice we haven't given any spoilers during this. Uh, have you guys watched the whole thing? You have, right? Who had to, yeah, yeah, we had had to, to write, about, write it. about the last one. Yeah, you so took okay. the first two episodes so you could just uh, write about those two. I mean, very smart decision and then not watch the rest, which uh, I well did done. watch the whole thing. Oh, and okay. uh, the, 
the Berminator gave me one and two. So we've watched all of these and uh, we're going to talk about it, but we're going to do it all in one show so that if you're planning on watching it, you know, we're not spoiling it for you, all those things. So I think that's coming later this week, right? We'll do later this week. We'll do, uh, we'll talk about your free agency list. Uh, we'll talk about some other free agency stuff and then we'll get into all or nothing. And then uh, at the end of the week, it's time for the third annual Osprey Awards. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to squeeze that into the end of the week. I might have to get bumped early next week. <laughs> I got it right next week. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> He's got a good one coming. Oh, good. Well, let's not. We don't know that. I mean, you know, it's no, uh, it's no. Shields five thoughts on the offensive on the offensive staff changes, but. <laughs> Go on, it says this, and then he comes out with the Jason Kelsey. By the way. Say- uh, by the way, those all or nothing recaps, please read those on the athletic because, uh, yes, we yes. are, we are looking at, uh, having to do another Q and a at the, uh, at, in the comment section of one of those bad boys. So, uh, definitely. Let's, definitely. let's all, everybody click on those, give it a comment and then you don't even have to read it. There you go. That's every story. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it. Uh, Sheil, good luck with your ranking. Uh, Zach. You. Good luck with your uh, communist organizing. I'm, look, that's not. Let's not discuss. Let's not did you bring us? Did you bring that. us back some cigars? Uh, I, I will discuss that after the podcast with you guys. I, I think I revealed as much as I'm, I'm willing to reveal. Yes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. Uh, well, I guess that'll do it for Zach and Shield and all the fans all over the world who are dying for more plover under. I'm Bo, and as always, we love you. Birds with friends. Birds with friends.